the history of Scotland is heavy on battles. For centuries, there have been bloody fights pitting families against one another, clan against clan, workers against factory owners, and a lot of reasons for holding a grudge against the English. But one tradition that most of the Scots seem to heartily agree on is their admiration for a weed ram of good Scotch whiskey. You can find expert distillers crafting their own special varieties in the Highlands, in the islands, and in the cities of Scotland. And to help you tour the tasting rooms of Scotland like an expert, we're joined now by three tour guides, Brian Hay, Anne Doig, and Liz Lister. Cheers, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. you. I just want to talk about Scotch and the Scottish heritage. Brian Hay, what's the big deal about Scotch in Scotland? Well, it is our national drink. There are many other countries that produce whiskey. In Scotland, we spell our whiskey without an E, and I think everybody else spells it with an E, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. We have no E. (laughs) Where it actually came from, nobody will ever quite know, but the earliest recordings we have of there being production of malt whiskey uh, sort of ended the 1400s. And it is just a huge commercial business for Scotland and has taken off hugely in the last 10 years, 12 years with emerging markets. Emerging markets meaning what? Uh, Coming from markets that have opened up, particularly with the breakdown of uh, Eastern Europe, what was Soviet Union, Russia, huge importer now of uh, Scottish whiskey. So too is China, which is an open market. And these emerging markets, Brazil, India, these places as well. Is that because the brand Scotch whiskey is just so good or is it actually better, Anne? Is actually better. Yeah. Oh, of course it's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it is a, definitely is a status symbol. Yeah, Scotch uh, whiskey. In Turkey as and Greece. To yeah, in Japan. Yeah. As apart from just blended whiskey, a Scottish malt whiskey, a single malt is a big status symbol in these countries. Yeah. Now you're all Scottish tour guides, and I would imagine when you when you take your groups around and your tourists around, they're all checking out the Scotch. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, and you can be candid with me personally. What do you think about Scotch when you're when you're a enjoying a drink. Uh, Liz Lister? Well, it wouldn't be my drink of choice, but I must confess that when we take um, tourists around Scotland, I love the theatre of whisky tasting. You know, you go to Italy and you have wine tasting. In Scotland, you're looking at the legs of the whisky, the colour of it, the smell, and then the signs of releasing the flavours from it. So even if you don't particularly love it, the idea of sitting, sipping a scotch by a a roaring fire you know, in some small pub somewhere. It's its very definitely a theatre. It almost makes you want to speak like Robbie Burns. Absolutely. <laughs> well, whiskey and freedom gang together, together. said mm-hmm. Robert Burns. Yeah, Scotch <laughs> okay. whiskey is inspired poets, very much part of our tradition. You know, I took the literary tour in Edinburgh, which mm-hmm. is a wonderful tour, and they go from pub to pub, and you've got these uh, actors and actresses uh, quoting great Scottish literature, and the big discussion was, what came first, the love of uh, Scotch or the, the love of literature? Because they kind of go hand in mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the love of Scotch whiskey, I would actually say there's a there's a bit of a, a legend that the original whiskey or uskabar came in the 6th century with the Irish. Uskabar, what is that? Uskabar is Gaelic for the water of life. Whiskey is the Anglified version of the Gaelic, which came from Ireland originally. Uskabar. B-H-A, uskabar. So it becomes whiskey. The water of life. Literally like translated it. Yeah. it means the water of life. Oh, yeah. right. And it was thought that it was first distilled by the monks for medicinal purposes. Well, Still take it for medicinal the, purposes today. We've got a lot to thank the monks for over the centuries, I think. Brian, what's your take personally on Scotch whiskey? Um, I think I'd have to agree with Anne. It wouldn't be my drink of choice. And I would fully accept that I'm not a connoisseur of whiskey, but... 
I would say the times that I love of whiskey is when I've been outdoors, maybe a good walk up a hill and it's cold and you come in and as uh, Liz said, you put the fire on and it has got a lovely warming taste. The fascination of the whiskies is that go from area to area, distillery to distillery, they all have a different taste to them. So you can distinguish that even if you're not a connoisseur and a lover of whiskey? Yes, you can. And can you distinguish the taste as well as the quality? Do you know what a good whiskey would taste like? I probably Mm. wouldn't. Uh, But taste-wise, you 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 could tell just from the distilling process, the yeast that's been used. So none of you are are huge whiskey consumers yourself, but what sort of place has it had in your family heritage when you think about your grandparents and this sort of thing? What was it like, Anne? (laughs) Well, I was going to say... Um, they used to say that uh, whiskey was used for trading, like a currency. They just traded with it. And I would say that was used up to the present day because my father was a bank manager. And if he passed a customer on to a lawyer or an insurance agent, they didn't use commission or anything vulgar like money. It was cases of single malt whiskey. And my father always had a lot of single malt whiskeys in the cupboard. They would trade and he, it. Yeah, it was like it was like a currency. It wasn't commissions when you passed on customers. It was single malt whiskey. So you'd that thank somebody thing. with some nice single exactly. malt whiskey. Is single malt is that is that? That's the Rolls Royce, really. It's not a blended one. It's the one that's pure. It comes from one distillery, and they've all got there's different areas. They've all got different characters. So my father would wax poetical about you can smell the heather on the breeze in this one, and you salt <laughs> from the sea. Because where it's stored and where it's the water affects all the characters. I like that. Now, you know, because <laughs> I'm going to all these places around Europe and tasting the beer and tasting the wine and all this. And when I'm in Scotland, I go to a pub and the treat for me is to strike up a conversation with a Scottish person at the bar because they go to the public house to be public and talk. And the easy entree to a conversation is help me appreciate Scottish whiskey. Mm. And the pub will have 20 or 30 different Scotch whiskeys on the list. And you can have that person be your own sort of guide. And it's very easy to taste the... Uh, the character. The character. Yeah. yeah. The, but there, there is also a snobbery about it in that all these bars will very much promote the malt whiskey. Uh-huh. In actual fact, the major export is blended whiskey. And a blended whiskey has a secret recipe like Coca-Cola. And they say that malting whiskey is a science, but blending whiskey is an art. Ah, so that would be giving the little extra special that one blend yeah, over another. Yeah, you have a, a person who's called the nose, and it's all done by using the recipe, and then this nose smells the whiskey to make sure that there's a consistency in each mm. of the blended whiskies. You know, when you come to Scotland, it's on every tourist list. You know, you've got to do the whiskey distillery tour or something like this. And in Edinburgh, you got the, the High Street, the Royal Mile. Brian, what are the whiskey stops on the, on the Royal Mile that you would say we should be aware of? Caddenhead is probably the best known of the malt whiskey shops, but there's three or four going down the Royal Mile. And they will, if you're obviously interested in tasting the malt whiskeys, they will give you a small taste of them. They will talk it through with you. Very, very good shops. There's one on, I think it's Bank Street, the Whiskey Rooms. The Whiskey Rooms, yes. They'll give you, you know, if you have several tastes, you might have to pay for it. Also on the Royal Mile, you also have the Scotch Whiskey Experience. Now, it's a bit Mac Disney. Um, You go through, you go around in a barrel. So if you can't get to distillery, you can do that. But what it does have is the largest collection of whiskies in the world. They were bought by a Brazilian 
and when he decided to sell his collection, he offered it first to the Scottish whisky distilleries who've banded together and bought this collection, huh. which is on show. And it also does an excellent whisky tasting. So that's the mm. Scotch whisky so that's experience. The, that's the touristy Scotch yeah. whisky experience up by the castle. Yes. People, yeah. people joke they call it Malt Disney. Yes. And um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, it's fun. But I, I think to find a place like Caddenheads where you yes, can sit definitely. down with an expert without all these tour groups around you would make uh, a lot of sense. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking Scotch whiskey. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Casey's calling from Wilsonville in Oregon. Casey, have you been to Scotland and tasted the whiskeys? I have not, but uh, I was planning on it this year and pretty excited to go uh, finally taste it at the, uh, the home locations. <laughs> so where are you going to be traveling, and, and what would your question be for our guides? Uh, we're going to be uh, flying into Edinburgh, and I would really like to get out to Islay and uh, up to the Orkneys to like Kirkwall and maybe try some of those distilleries kind of want to know what the best place and best way to get out to the, to the islands would be. So we're talking way in the north of the highlands, is that right? The And, and beyond, the Orkneys? Beyond. Orkneys, beyond. Northern way Isles. Isla is southwest. You're a long way apart. You've probably chosen the two furthest away parts. Islands. <laughs> yeah. But Isla's got the most distilleries in Scotland. I think there's yes, eight. Yes. Eight or mm-hmm. nine. Very robust. So that's the southwest, sort southwest. of the jumping off from Glasgow over there. Yes, you drive down. And then, so that's I-S-L-A-Y, and there you've got the biggest variety of distilleries, is that right? Yeah. And but, would they welcome guests? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. All of them but the, but the important thing about the whiskies coming from there is that they very much have the, the scent of the sea, the iodine from the seaweed, so they have a very, very smoky, distinctive flavour on uh, See, whiskies. that's what's really really so accessible about whiskey tasting is you can taste that. If it's made near the sea, you can taste mm-hmm. the sea. And then are there distilleries up in the Orkneys? There's two. There's one, Scapa Flow, and the other one's not the Macallum. What is it? It's one of the Highland top Park. ones. Highland Park. Highland Park. Yeah. Highland Park. Yeah, that's one of the top rated by the, you know, the whiskey connoisseurs, Highland Park, and the Macallum is another one, mm. which is a Speyside one. But there are two distilleries in Orkney. Orkney is really fantastic if you're interested in archaeology. Orkney is like halfway to Scandinavia, right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's sort of a mix you're of closer cultures. closer to Norway, yeah. yeah. Right. It's not one you do for a day tour. No, that... <laughs> Casey, have, are you actually going to the Orkneys? Uh, we're we're definitely thinking about it's it. It's a long way up there. It's, it would, uh, yeah. That would be part of the adventure, right? <laughs> that's part of the adventure, yeah. Well, but you would have whiskey distilleries from Edinburgh, Glasgow area going all the way up. Yes. So if uh, you didn't want to go that far, you would still find plenty of distilleries sure. and different types of uh, yeah. whiskies. Never go thirsty, right? Never. Never go thirsty in Scotland and never mm. be without somebody great to talk to. Casey, thanks for your call. Hey, thank you, Rick. Take care. Bye. Bye. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Liz Lister and Doig and Brian Hay about Scotch whiskey. And, you know, there's this ongoing thing about Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey. <laughs> Not getting into the quality difference, but what is the physical difference between Irish and Scotch whiskey? Does anybody well, know? Well, Irish whiskey's triple distilled. Triple distilled, and is that something they brag about? Yes, and they think it's much better. And no Scots person wants to admit this, but the art of distilling whiskey probably did come from Ireland in the 6th century. Big of you to admit that. (laughs) Yeah, my father would be turning his grave because the Scots take a great pride in that ancient tradition of distilling whiskey and the whole story of it, very much part of our culture. Uh But um, yes, the Irish think their whiskey, Jameson's and Bushnell's, much better than ours, but... We have, I mean, there's over 300 single malt whiskies, all with a different flavour and character. So that's much 
much wider sphere of character than, than the Irish whiskey. So I have to say that we win hands down. Sorry. If you like variety yeah. and yeah, all the experience, okay. And also all the blended whiskeys like Johnny Walker and Chivas Regal and everything, they're all from the marriage of different single malts. So, so they're all Scotch whiskeys. Scotch whiskeys, Whiskey yeah. without an E. The, <laughs> the definition of a Scotch whiskey is that it has to be stored in a bonded warehouse in Scotland for a minimum of three years to become called Scottish whiskey. Huh. And during that time, there's an evaporation, about 2% per year. And that's called the angel share, where it evaporates into the air. So the longer it's left in the bonded warehouse, the less there is of the original cask of whiskey that was first put down. But an Indian company actually contacted one of the bonded warehouses and asked. They didn't have the storage capacity and the evaporation rate was greater than India. So could they bring in their whiskey and store it in the bonded warehouse in Scotland? But of course, they cottoned on that it would then be called Scottish whiskey because it had been stored for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't let them? No. Oh, very important to maintain the brand. Absolutely. And I'm right in saying that a malt whiskey has got to be matured for a minimum of 10. I think it's eight. Eight. Yeah. eight. Yeah. Well, well, the youngest so, is usually about yeah. eight. So yeah. very high standards. This has been so fun to learn and uh, about Scotch whiskey from... I learn about Scotch whiskey. <laughs> so fun to learn about Scotch whiskey from our three guides, Liz Lister, Anne Doig, and Brian Hay. One thing I want to be sure is that we travelers, when we go to Scotland, uh, have the right terminology. Do we say Scotch, Scotch whiskey? What's the proper terminology for this drink? Well, it is. That's the pain is Scotch whiskey. It's just that in Scotland, we're maybe a bit arrogant about it. We just call it whiskey because there's no other whiskey apart from Scotch whiskey. So the Scotch is redundant. And before the 18th century, a Scottish man used to be called Scotch. But now it's the legal term for Scotch whiskey. So we don't like to be called Scotch. That's, that's like calling you a pina colada, a drink. <laughs> so we like to be called Scots or Scottish. I've know. been confused about that because I, I, I've been a little bit tentative about, do I say this person is, is Scotch? No. There's, there's no, it's Scots. Scotch is a kind or of... Or Scottish. Yeah. But before the 18th century, yeah, you'd say a Scotchman. But ah. si- since they sort of legalised Scotch whiskey and the, the patent, etc., that's a drink. That's the name of a drink. So we right. prefer to be called and Scots. And when I, when I go into a pub in Scotland, I will ask for a whiskey. Or, a whiskey or, or a single malt. Or a dram. Or a dram. A dram. A dram. Or in Scotland, the tradition, a hoff and a hoff. <laughs> what would a hoff and a hoff be? <laughs> a hoff. Traditionally, a Scotsman would sit in the bar with a dram of whiskey and a half pint of beer. A, a half, half and, and a half. half. A half and a half. <laughs> and if you asked for a scotch, you might be given sellotape because that's what we always think of as scotch being scotch. Scotch so tape. you can. Uh, <laughs> so you could be disappointed. Very important fine points of the <laughs> local dialect. <laughs> I'd like to have just finished with an opportunity for each of you to share how whiskey and Scottish literary heritage, because Scotland is just so rich with literary heritage. Is there any Robbie Burns quote or any sort of uh, blessing that you can share that might tie in with this discussion? Well, that quote that just comes off immediately is, Burns said, whiskey and freedom go together. <laughs> and that's... Uh, that, but that's there's a lot more. That's just the one that... Well, that if one word you think it, of a lot of Scotland is freedom, freedom and you freedom, think whiskey. And they go together, mm. yes. And, and Robert Burns was an excise man. Yes. <laughs> yes. What does that mean, an excise? Customs. Oh, he was um, a yeah, yeah man. because the big problem was that when whiskey was first distilled in Scotland, it was along the route that the drovers were driving the cattle down to the markets. And then they started to tax the whiskey and the stills became illicit. And the tax man or customs man would go around and try and find these illicit stills. So Rabbi Burns 
And so his time was an excise man. So he would know the, the backside of all that. Because for a long time, uh, sort of 1600s, there were far more illicit stills than there were uh, legal ones. And that's why very often they're in very remote parts uh, of to this Scotland. Day. Yeah. Yeah. So that was all designed to um, mm. keep the taxes from going down to London. That's right. And what also happened is that because it was illicit, a lot of the whiskey was stored for a lot longer than they would have normally stored it. And it was then that they started to discover that the longer that they kept it, the better the taste was. Fascinating. I'm Hiding it from the tax man. man yes. We've After act- the union, when they put the taxes up. Yeah. We've actually got a loch in central Scotland called Loch Drunky, where it said that the excise men were coming, so they decided to empty the barrels into the loch, and the loch became so much yeah. alcohol rather than water yeah. that those that were drinking it became drunk. Loch Drunky. <laughs> this has been so much fun talking about Scotch whiskey from three great Scotch guides, Liz, Anne, Brian. Thank you very much, and I hope to see you in Scotland. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.